com slash this is talkback 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309 this is news talk kgvo am 1290 and 98.3 fm kgvo missoula's news and weather station hey welcome everybody it is the friday edition of talkback the one hour edition now now that march is here and at talkback is brought to you this morning by brooklyn bagel and bakery authentic new york bagels and pastries all the way from little italy every single day can be found in missoula at brooklyn bagel and bakery out on north reserve also brought to you by phillips janitorial where they offer residential and commercial cleaning no job too big or small you want to give them a call today get a free estimate or just book your your job right now at 406-260-6617. The views and opinions expressed on TalkBack are not those of the staff, management, or advertisers. Okay, welcome everybody. Glad to have you along this morning. We have a special guest in the studio, former Governor Mark Roscoe, is going to be joining us uh, here in just a minute. But right now, Nick Christensen is sitting right there. Hey, Nick. Good morning. All right, and let's get right to the phones. And uh, we are talking to our Missoula County Attorney, Kirsten Pabst. Kirsten, good morning. Good morning, gentlemen. How are you? Excellent. What's on your mind, ma'am? So we had a fairly light week this week. We charged nine new criminal complaints, which, as you know, is significantly less than the run we've been having the last four or five weeks in a row. Three of those fall into the crimes against persons category. Um, We had a burglary and partner family member assault case. The defendant allegedly went into the home of the victim and did some pretty significant damage. A partner family member assault case that involved methamphetamine and then finally an assault with a weapon case. In in that case, the allegation is that the defendant was acting belligerent at a local business. When removed, he allegedly swung a 32-ounce metal hydro flask at the owner, was charged with assault with a weapon. In the endangerment category, there were two cases, one criminal endangerment that involved fleeing from and or eluding police officers, and then a DOI fifth offense, which, as you know, is a felony. In the property category, there were three new cases. One was a criminal mischief. In that case, there was a car crash uh, out near uh, Patty Canyon. The defendant allegedly went off of a hillside and got high-centered when police officers responded and were taking him in the car, he allegedly damaged the patrol vehicle by ripping wires to the patrol antenna out. Um, we also charged a forgery case and then a theft case. In that case, the defendant was arrested on warrants and allegedly was in possession of needles, methamphetamine, and a stack of other people's credit cards. And then finally, last but not least, we charged one new criminal possession of dangerous drugs. The allegation there is that the defendant was in possession of methamphetamine. All right, Kirsten. Uh, listen, I know you're a little bit under the weather, but we really appreciate you taking the opportunity to call us and share this with us today. We, it wouldn't be Friday without you. <laughs> Thank you. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Kirsten. All right, Kirsten Pabstar, Missoula County Attorney. We're going to take a little break right now. When we come back, the phone lines will be open, ladies and gentlemen. Our, our, our guest here in the studio is our former Attorney General and two-time Governor of the state of Montana, Mark Roscoe. Uh, he's here right in the studio. And uh, when I spoke with him a couple of weeks ago, he was excited about coming in to uh, be a part of the show. So we're, we're, we're glad to have you. Well, I'm delighted to be here. Thank okay. you. We're going to come right back after this time out. And the phone lines are open.
at 721-1290. Uh, if you want to talk with Mark Roscoe, right after this. For over 100... <laughs> Cheap entertainment, right, uh, Mark? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Glad to have you along this morning. And uh, we are uh, thrilled to have with us for the very first time, uh, former Governor Mark Roscoe in the studio. Thank you, sir, for, for coming. It's my great privilege. It's been about uh, 22, 23 years since you and I have talked. Exactly. Uh, of course, we talked on the phone a couple of weeks yes. ago. But uh, tell us what you've been up to. I know I, after you left uh, government at public service, you you were uh, working in the corporate world for quite some time. And so what have you been doing? Well, I was involved in uh, a law firm. I was a member, a partner in a law firm in Washington, D.C. And I also um, chaired uh, one of the political parties for a period of time and chaired President Bush's um, re-election campaign and worked for the insurance industry and then uh, came back home. Now, you had you also played a role in what, what happened down in Florida with, with the recount with President Bush. Is that right? I did. I spent um, about six weeks in Florida uh, between Election Day and the day that all those proceedings terminated and uh, counted ballots um, day after day after day, watched everything that was going on, and was a part of that effort to try and come to a final conclusion. So we've got we've got some history sitting right here in our studio today. We really appreciate you joining us. Well, when I look in the mirror, I know there's a lot of history. <laughs> <clears throat> well, when I look in the mirror, all I see is mileage. But anyway, let's let's get to the phones because everybody wants to talk with you. Uh, let's jump in first. Marilyn, you up up first talking with Mark Roscoe. Good morning. Good morning. So first, a couple questions and a comment. Um, first of all, been a voted Republican for about 50 years, and I have a big issue with the Republican Party when it picks a Democrat like you were to run for governor. That just flummoxed me at the time, but over the history of the Republican Party, I've watched the rhinos do things like that continuously, so... Anyways, um, my question to you, I got two questions for you, Mark Roscoe. When the little news clip that Peter had played here a while back, you saying that the Republican Party, the supermajority that's in the legislature right now, has done some dangerous things, I would like to know what those dangerous things are. And then my second question is really something that you're all of a sudden on the scene back in Montana now, Doing radio interviews, articles, blah, blah, blah. And I was so glad that this resolution was done against you the other day. Anyways, what are your future plans? Right. <laughs> Marilyn, thanks for the call. My, uh, my future plans are to... By, by the way, if I may clarify something, I'm the one that reached out to you. You did not reach out to us. Uh, uh, that's actually been that what's happened on every occasion that I've yeah. said anything. But um, yeah. nonetheless, um, I'm going to first of all address um, your supposition, Marilyn, that... I was a Democrat and then became a Republican, and as a consequence, I'm um, essentially a Republican in name only. Actually, I grew up in Libby, Montana, where um, when I was growing up, it was very difficult to find a Republican. Most everybody in our little county and in northwestern Montana were Democrats, and uh, the labor movement was strong, and my father was a uh, child of the Depression. He was born in Libby. He grew up in Libby and in Thompson Falls, and he was a pretty um, well-known Democrat uh, in Lincoln and Sanders County, a strong supporter of Mike Mansfield and democratic politics, the labor movement, all of the things that typically 
were associated with the Democratic Party in those days. My mom was born in Chicago, and um, her family was involved in business, and they uh, moved to Montana in about 1935. And I'm not altogether certain precisely which party she claimed, to be honest. It wasn't a matter of great discussion. But I always guessed it was probably Republican. Uh, I did not... um, participate in partisan politics. I was certainly involved with the legislature from 1977 to 1988, and I appeared in front of various different committees over that period of time, and I was involved in the criminal justice field. I was a prosecutor, so naturally there are legislative enactments that impact prosecutorial discretion and the uh, trial of cases, and I was there representing as the uh, representative of the county attorneys all across the state, the position of um, the County Attorneys Association. So I did that until in 1988, I, uh, my good friend who I'd known forever, in fact, we were actually, we came from this, we were infants in the same county and didn't know it for a long time. Bob Brown came to me because the Republicans did not have a candidate uh, to run for the office of attorney general. Frankly, that was the first time I ever thought about running for partisan office. And the, uh, I had tried to run for a district judgeship and for the Supreme Court on three different occasions, but I lost on all three occasions. Um, parenthetically, I would tell you that I learned way more by learning than I, or losing than I ever did by winning. So, um, and I, as I looked back, I could see precisely why the people I lived with, the voters of Montana, made the decision they did. And I probably would have made the same decision when a 32-year-old lawyer was trying to run for the Montana Supreme Court. But in 1988, I looked at the platforms. That's what I did, Marilyn. I read the platforms because I wanted to know what each party stood for. It wasn't um, following a genetic predisposition or the example of my father or my mother. Um, I chose um, to become a Republican and to pursue that office because I agreed with the platform. What were were some of the planks in that platform back then? Well, they were strong on criminal justice, which is what I was doing at the time. Um, And there were, you know, typical conservative right-center issues that were being confronted um, all across the country in Montana, just like there are today. And as a consequence, um, I just found a sense of comfort um, with the Republican platform at the time. And as a consequence, that's what I decided to do. And ultimately, of course, was granted the privilege of serving in the Attorney General's office for four years. And actually, I'm, I, it was almost accidental what happened thereafter. The, um, I was, uh, had filed for re-election in 1988. I didn't have an opponent. And it was just a couple of weeks before the filing deadline was going to arrive. And Stan Stevens had a heart attack, the presently serving governor at the time. And at that moment in time, um, we were without, um, well, some of the Republicans wanted to try and encourage me to run. And one of my best friends, Bob Brown, that I uh, just mentioned a moment ago, encouraged me strongly. And uh, Teresa and I thought about it um, for a long period of time. And, you know, we have five children and they were all young and... Um, we had, I'd worked in the military. I was a United States Army prosecutor, uh, overseas and then came here to Missoula County and served in the county attorney's office for then county attorney Dusty Dayshaw, now his honor, and, um, then went to the attorney general's office to become a special prosecutor, traveled all around the state for 12 years, trying cases across the state. So... I loved the um, working with law enforcement. I loved jury trials. I loved everything about what, what, what I was doing. But at the end of the day, 
we finally, after thinking about it very carefully, decided that we would enter the race. And, of course, I entered a race against an incredibly competent um, group of candidates. And on the Democratic side, the uh, candidate that ultimately succeeded and came through the primary was Dorothy Bradley. And she was um, very, very bright. She is very, very bright and very capable. Um, and we argued. In those days, there were no um, internet commercials. <laughs> um, you and I used to do commercials um, on occasion. And we uh, relied on the radio and going to civic clubs, uh, walking in parades, all of the things that... Um, campaigning stuff. Uh, campaigning stuff. Right. And um, Dorothy and I debated 33 different times. Wow. And um, we, um, you know, I trusted that there would never be a cheap shot taken, nor would I take one. And I think she feels the same. And at the end of the day, I barely uh, edged out a, a victory. And then granted the privilege to serve in the governor's office, which was a spectacular uh, blessing, and I loved every single day of it. Um, I was there for eight years. And so I'm really now, kind of... Now, now, the first question, the, for her first question, uh, when, when I interviewed you before, toward the end of the interview, uh, I asked you, you know, uh, with the supermajority uh, that the Republicans have now in, in the state legislature, um, the Democrats are, they're there, but they're barely there. And you, you had said something that it's a cautionary note. Well, when I entered into office, there were four Democrats that um, accompanied me, the Attorney General, the Secretary of State, the Auditor, and um, the um, Attorney General were all Democrats. And so, and they were all people I knew. I had grown up with them in college, and we had worked in student government, and we worked together in state um, government. Uh, they had their imperatives. I had mine. Uh, but we never quit talking to each other. We never stopped trusting one another. And we never stopped trying to get to a point to where we felt like we were genuinely and sincerely serving the people of the state of Montana in the best way that we possibly could. You know, Peter, there's a dynamic tension that is built into the Constitution. It's expected. Ideas should be tested. and But it's just that when it gets to the point to where you have opposition uh, that has to be accompanied by oppression or you have to have rivalry that has to be accompanied by... Um, vitriol. Vitriol and anger... Um, the Constitution is not being complied with. So, anyway, through those um, eight years, uh, we worked, I think, together fairly well. We were all reelected. We all served during that period of time. We all craved the uh, trust of the people that we served more than anything else. And at the end of the day, um, they're some of my better friends today that, that I have had throughout the course of my lifetime. All right. And one of the things you had mentioned is uh, what goes around comes around with the supermajority. Yeah. Well, there were never any supermajorities. I had to work with uh, Democrats and Republicans. And frankly, sometimes your own party is the most um, difficult party to work with because they, ex they expect that there will be absolute, um, ab an absolute commitment to precisely what they want. Well, you know, in life, there is no a possibility of securing everything you want every single day. And there were some things that I had to do that were my responsibilities given to me by law that conflicted with what it was that 
some of the Republican bodies over the course of time may have wanted to enact. And so I had to um, stand up and make certain that I was doing my duty as they were trying to do their duty. But it never disintegrated into uh, bitterness and uh, anger and scurrilous comments and the kind of uh, political activity that we've seen evolve over the last um, decade, decade and a half that uh, frankly corrodes the entire system and makes it almost impossible for a free people uh, and when you overlay the internet, it makes it even worse for a free people to be able to come up with policy solutions that serve as best you can uh, derive and, and design the people that you're working for. So it's an imperfect process, but it's one that works if people proceed in good faith. We're up against a commercial break. We're going to come right back. We have uh, Jeff, Skip, and Candy. They all want to talk with you. We're going to come right back. Our guest in the studio is uh, former Governor Mark Roscoe, former Attorney General, here to answer your questions. And I'll stop talking and let him talk when we come back after this. Hi, I'm Dan with the... Chris Domine is a husband and a father. Chris is an athlete. Chris is even an Iron Man. But 10 years ago, Chris was facing a very different story because his kidneys were failing. Basically, the doctor said, if you don't get a kidney transplant and if you don't do dialysis, you, you are going to die. Fortunately, Chris received a second chance at life, made possible by an organ donor. You know, your well-being changes from loss of hope to hope to better times ahead. More than 100 million people in America are registered organ, eye, and tissue donors. People of every age and ethnicity because they believe it's the right thing to do. Imagine what you can make possible by leaving behind the gift of life. Learn more and sign up as an organ, eye, and tissue donor. Go to organdonor.gov. A message from the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, Health Resources and Services Administration. Unused prescription opioid pain medicines can spell trouble. They can spell risk if taken by someone they weren't prescribed for, harm if accidentally taken by a child or pet, or overdose if they're not used as directed. Safely dispose of opioids before they can hurt your family. Find a drug take-back option such as medicine drop boxes. You may find these in your community at local pharmacies or police stations. Visit www.fda.gov slash drug disposal. And we are back on TalkBack, uh, our guest in studio, and the time is rapidly rushing by. Governor, uh, Former Governor Mark Roscoe here with us. Let's get some more phone calls. Jeff has been waiting the longest. Jeff, good morning. You're on with uh, Mark Roscoe. Go ahead, sir. Hey, good morning, Governor. I uh, appreciate the opportunity to uh, talk with you, have a dialogue. Good morning, sir. It's my, my privilege. Thank you. Um, yeah, uh, I never got a chance to know you while you were governor because uh, I was in the Air Force. I joined the Air Force in 1970, straight out of high school and stayed there 28 years and then worked out of state until I finally got a chance to fully retire and come back. Um, but I always thought you were a reasonable man until um, the 2016 election when you came out against Donald Trump. And ever since then, um, I haven't seen anything that really uh, makes me think you are. I, I, in particular, there was a... Uh, Last March, you had an editorial that got published in the Missoulian, and the thrust of the editorial was basically that orange man bad. And you didn't really uh, make any criticism of what the first year under President Biden, the, the absolute uh, travesty and, uh, and uh, damage he had done. All you did was you just focused still on Donald Trump being bad. And uh, 
I wrote an, edi- an editorial response to that that they actually published, and um, I just you know I don't didn't do you give Donald Trump any credit for the Abraham Accords, or any job growth, or any border protection, or any tax relief? Um, and you never talked about the the runaway inflation or the cancellation of the Keystone Pipeline, or um, the the five dollar a gallon gasoline and diesel that we've had to endure the de- debacle in Afghanistan. I mean, it seems like you have cut the Biden administration every bit of slack you could, while giving absolutely no slack to the Trump administration. And I, I think that's the the core of my frustration. Well, is Jeff, why. let's let let's let him answer that question. Go ahead. Well, thank you, Jeff. First of all, for um, your service, you and I were. In the military, um, about the same time, I was um, in, in Germany in the JAG Corps and in the Army, although you were in the Air Force. But thank you um, for your service to your country. You know, the, I, I, of course, you see it in a different perspective than, than you do. The, the hierarchy of values for me in evaluating a candidate, and this was, I don't blame you for your questions. I don't um, think that they're um, irrelevant or not uh, critically important, but at the end of the day, the the most important question for me with a candidate in a political race is whether or not they exhibit the character and uh, the capacity to work with other people and a sense of trying to bring about unity in the United States of America while reaching permanent solutions. So there were policies that were enacted during the Trump administration, which I wholeheartedly agree with. But my main complaint was with how he conducted business and how he uh, separated and divided um, the people of this country and how he denied reality and uh, the kind of efforts that he made um, to create divisions across uh, the United States of America. Those were my primary concerns because, frankly, what I learned while I was afforded the privilege of serving in the governor's office and thereafter even in Washington, D.C., was people have to be able to talk to each other, to listen to each other, to trust each other, to respect each other, to respect each other's values. So the notion, if I, if I communicated that there was nothing that Donald Trump ever did, uh, frankly, I don't think he did it in singular fashion. Nobody does. But, but the Republican policies um, throughout the course of my last 35 to 40 years, I have agreed with them on uh, almost all of the time. There are some I do not. Um, but that, that's been the case from the beginning. And uh, people have known that, that that's how I proceed. And they have nonetheless given me some opportunity to serve. But I would never claim to you that somehow nothing good happened during those days. But think about the other side now. All of the things that were very, very difficult that um, that ended up uh, creating all kinds of civil unrest across the United States of America, the denial of the election results, the uh, constant and repetitive process of tearing people apart, uh, the uh, intimidation of local officials that uh, unfolded uh, in Georgia and in other states, the invention of... Um, fantasies that uh, he believed and still, I think, does to this today, uh, ended up creating a result in the election that w- that was not honest and, and accurate. Uh, so, you know, at the end of the day, 
I think that he was a terrible, terrible influence upon the United States of America and the world. And I think he made our politics angry and bitter. And I think he was misinformed and uninformed most of the time. And as a consequence of that, when you attribute all of these accomplishments to Donald Trump, I think he pretty well would have signed most anything that was put in front of him if it was a result of a Republican initiative. And sometimes, just as a happy coincidence, he ended up doing the right thing. But at the end of the day, I cannot um, subscribe to um, a leader. I can't uh, join them in and support them if they don't lead America with a respect for the Constitution and with the character that uh, allows for them to be able to do the job correctly. We're going to come right back. 721-1290 is our number. Skip, Candy, and Harry are all waiting to visit with you. And we only have about 28 minutes left. So uh, we'll, we'll have him back on those. Uh, stay with us. We'll be back with more with Mark Roscoe here in studio right after this. This is your captain. We are going to be experiencing some slight turbulence. Please fasten your... Oh, hold on. Just got a video of my cat. Imagine the pilot of an airplane was as confident as you are texting and driving. Seems kind of crazy when you put it like that. Visit StopTextStopRex.org. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project Yellow Light, and the Ad Council. Suck it up. It's not a big deal. Snap out. Just get over it. We've all heard it. But if you're experiencing extreme stress, it's not just in your head. It can affect your entire body because toxic stress can hurt us physically without us even knowing it. If you've lost a job, worry about your next meal, or have trouble making it through the day, if you're feeling the effects of stress, we can help. Text STRESS to 211-211 to find a solution. Okay, we are back on Talk Back. Uh, former Governor Mark Roscoe joining us here in the studio. Nick questions and taking your phone calls. And his fingers are practically bleeding because uh, we've had a lot of calls so far this morning. Skip is up next. Skip, good morning. You're on with uh, Governor Roscoe. Go ahead, sir. And thank you, Peter. And, and Governor, uh, thank you for coming on. Uh, I, I, by the way, I want to thank you for your service in the military and to the state of Montana when you were governor, sir. And, and also... Uh, I think that your answers and, and, and your statements that you make uh, in your description of things like the Republican Party, if you can still call it that, so fractured, uh, I think your statements are, are, I'll use the word accurate, and, and all the things that you say have, have good substance and basis, and, and at least uh, I, I certainly respect them. If, if, if I don't agree with all of them, I certainly respect the way that you handle your answers. And so I wanted to reflect on something high bar back when you were governor, uh, before Judy Martz was governor. And I remembered somebody I thought maybe you could say that, that you remembered. And his name is Carl Ode, who was, I believe, the lieutenant governor under Judy. And, and I, I, uh, I came to know him a little bit, and he seemed to be a, a really good man to have in our, in our government. And I want you to know that the the way you described the Republican Party, even a few weeks ago when you came on, uh, that that said the way it really is right now in Montana, I thought was pretty darn right on. And so I wanted to give you those comments in case you could remember uh, some nice things 
about when you were governor, and I think you had a very high approval rating, sir, when you left office. All right. So thank you for your service. Skip, thanks, thanks for the question. Go ahead. Well, Skip, um, thank you for your generosity. I genuinely uh, appreciate it. And uh, frankly, um, you bringing up Carl Lowe's um, enkindles within me a great many warm feelings about an extraordinary man. He was, of course, as you know, an incredible athlete uh, to begin with. That's how he was first recognized for his accomplishments. Coming from the high line, of course, he grew up in uh, high, hard times and difficult temperatures um, on both sides of Highway 2. And um, he was durable and strong and capable. And he was very, very thoughtful. He studied very hard before he made decisions. He never uh, used bombastic rhetoric or condemned people. Um, he had a conservative philosophy, unquestionably. Uh, and we were very, very close friends and a person that I genuinely cared about and um, frankly don't mind admitting loved him to the bone. Uh, so your estimation of Carl O's is precisely correct. We, um, we could use a lot more Carl O's in our lives. All right, let's uh, go on to the next uh, caller. This is Candy. Candy, good morning. You're on with Mark Roscoe. Please go ahead. Yes. Um, I want to bring you to the up-to-date things and your support of Monica Trinnell and Judge Gustafson. And I find it reprehensible that you should enter in at this stage in uh, the election cycles when we are so hard-pressed by inflation and um, back a candidate that was absolutely in favor of killing babies. You said you had five children. How can you accept the fact that a person would want to kill an unborn baby right before it's born? And with Judge Gus Gustafson, I'm sorry, I'm a little nervous. It's okay. Don't, and, be, don't be. I am too. You're doing We're fine. We're both in the same boat. No. <laughs> um, and a, a Supreme Court judge that is uh, found to be unworthy of her assignment and go against a constitutionally based uh, justice that had all the right uh, things, and he was constitutionally based. Yes, James Brown. Um, but I can't understand that after so many years, you're popping up in support of baby killers and a judicial person that has no respect for our Constitution. And I would just like to know what your aim is at doing this. Right. And are you thinking of challenging Gianforte? Thank you. All right. Thanks. I tell you what, we're up against a break. There's way too many questions there. We'll take our commercial break, come back and address those. We're going to come right back. And uh, thanks for the call, Candy. We'll be back right after this. And Mark will respond. Bar. Before I was adopted, I felt alone. After spending years in foster care, Lexi worried that she and her brother were too old to be adopted. Thankfully, the siblings were adopted, with help from the Dave Thomas Foundation for Adoption. I love teenagers. 
To see how brave Lexi was and how she opened herself up to being in a family, all of a sudden, she's holding my hand and calling me mom. It was really special. Every child, no matter their age, deserves to grow up in a safe, permanent home. Children at every age experience challenges. Teenagers are more complex than young children, but in the best ways. You're never too old for family. Learn how you can help children still waiting to be adopted from foster care at DaveThomasFoundation.org. Need to replace your Social Security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Thinking about retirement? Make sure a My Social Security account is a part of your plan. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can find out if you're eligible to receive benefits, compare retirement benefit estimates at different ages or dates, view spousal benefit estimates, and more. Plan for your future. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash myaccount. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow. Produced at U.S. taxpayer expense. We are back on TalkBack. Okay, uh, Candy had some very uh, pointed remarks uh, about uh, your support of Monica Trinnell and uh, Ms. Gustafson uh, in, the, in the most recent election, uh, primarily due to a pro-life versus pro-choice. Well, let me start uh, at, the, at the top of the ticket um, with um, uh, Monica and um, Ryan. I've known um, Ryan much longer than I have known Monica. Uh, I talked to both of them before the campaign. Both of them requested um, that I get involved in the campaign. I thought about it for a very long period of time. And, of course, it's uh, well known that I talked to Ryan 20 years ago, maybe, or a long time ago when he was still in the Navy, and um, he wanted to come back and uh, instantly run for governor of the state of Montana. I advised him not to do that, um, that maybe it might be good to enter the political uh, world uh, at a lower um, rated race and uh, proceed state from le- there. State uh, legislature. State legislature. Right. Um, but he, here's what happened with Ryan. And, um, and frankly, it's because he be, it was such an alkalite of Donald Trump. I, I just absolutely believe that he was um, so damaging to the United States of America uh, and to the fabric of our social uh, existence, uh, tearing apart and uh, diminishing uh, different um, parts of um, our population, um, climbing over um, virtually everyone else to satisfy his own narcissistic needs and to um, make certain that he got what he wanted when he wanted. And as a consequence, anybody that became an acolyte and supported Donald Trump, and I told Ryan this before um, he actually um, asked or got involved in the, in the intense campaign, it was before the primary election, that if you uh, continue to um, be a strong proponent of Donald Trump and uh, his re-election and support um, his point of view, I can't support you. Um, in addition, um, Monica, of course, I know, we've known her. My family has known her and her family uh, for a period of time. And I know Monica to be, um, I knew her to be, let me put it that way. People are asking, why would you make that call? Well, she was. she's a very good lawyer. She's incredibly bright. Um, she's very diligent. 
Um, she has um, the character that I think I can count on. I don't agree with everything with Monica, but this is what brings me back to the notion, how do you evaluate a candidate when it appears to be a, a, a process that is so difficult to decide? And my point of view is, I might be wrong, not everybody might follow it, but I judge uh, the character of the person. Can they lead? And can they bring people together? I mean, yelling and screaming at each other is not going to do much to resolve difficult problems, including abortion. Listening to one another and trying to find, as a community of interest, a path that you can follow to bring about solutions that people can live with is the sign of leadership that I look for. So on the basis of that, um, it was hard. I mean, it's not easy for me to simply uh, go into the arena and invite um, all kinds of critique and, and anger because I might endorse one candidate or another. But that's why I endorsed Monica, because she showed me leadership skills I thought were important. In reference to Ingrid Gustafson, I didn't know Ingrid before the campaign. But what I did know was that uh, I read her opinions, I went over her cases, I came to the conclusion that she has been forthright and impartial and independent and fair. You know, the judiciary is our weakest branch. They don't get to pick the cases they get. Those cases are filed and they come to them whether they want them or not. And they can only make, they when they make a decision, it's for one side or the other. So every single time, 50% of uh, the population involved with the court are going to go away disappointed. That's why the independence is there. That's why you run on a, a nonpartisan ticket. James Brown was solicited by the governor, um, which is, um, you know, not only bad form, but it, it implicates the uh, judicial standards that are expected to be followed. And by implicates, I mean James Brown cannot accept endorsements like that. He cannot solicit endorsements like that, according to our presently existing Constitution and the Judicial Standards Board. So um, Ingrid's um, decisions reflected to me that they were thoughtful and careful. And James Brown was already serving in public office as the Republican chair of the um, of the uh, Public, Service. Public Service Commission, right. and um, he was solicited by a partisan office. He was supported by every uh, elected Republican official. You know that that's. Um, I don't think that's consistent with the expectations of our Constitution that partisan officers get involved in nonpartisan races. So it was a tough call. I made the call, and. Um, and uh, frankly, it may persuade some people, it may not. But at the end of the day, let me answer the last question, or one of the last questions Candy had, and that is, why are you showing up now? Well, you know, Candy, I haven't shown up any place that I wasn't invited to in the first place. Secondly, I'm a citizen of the United States of America and of the state of Montana, and have been for 74 years. Thirdly, I have a keen interest and some experience, some people may not find it worthy, but some experience that puts me in a position to be able to answer some of these questions for my fellow citizens that they can either accept or deny. So at the end of the day, I'm running for nothing. I have the liberty to speak the truth. And that's precisely why I ended up in every circumstance. It's all, every question I have about today's politics is answered by the same formula, the same algorithmic uh, uh, formula that allows or that 
compels me as a matter of conscience to say, okay, is this person qualified by reason of character? That's my first question. Secondly, do they believe and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of the state of Montana? If the answer to the, both of those questions is yes, then it's a happy coincidence for me if the candidate is Republican. If they're not, I'm not going to split my loyalty between my party and my country and my Constitution. I'm going to make that call at the top of the ticket for my Constitution first. You know, this is why George Washington was so disappointed in the in the advent of all these political parties. They they didn't exist when he was in office. They didn't exist in the first 200 years of history of the American colonies and the beginning of this nation. And he was worried about factionalism, about people uh, getting engaged in a in a war of words that would tear the country apart. And if we need any proof to uh, reveal to us if, in fact, that is true. Look to January 6th and the insurrection. Clearly, obviously, we were coming apart at the seam. So I have a concern about whether or not we are in decline as a nation, as a country, and as a state. And I think we are as a result of our failure to pay attention to the Constitution and its values. And its values have to do with kind, kindness to each other, respect with each other. All of the virtues that you and I live our daily lives by should be involved in the political life of the country. And it's, it's also important to note that Mark did not call me up and say, Peter, I want to comment on this. I, I, I took a chance. We hadn't talked for, what? Almost 30 20 years. years. Yeah, yeah. 20, yeah. 20 25 uh, years. years. And, and I took a chance. I said, well, uh, because uh, after that resolution came out, I thought, I wonder what uh, Mark Roscoe actually thinks of that. And you were kind enough to give me that interview. So it was me. If you want to blame somebody, it's me. So <laughs> we're up against a break. We'll be right back. We still have Harry, Ed, and Matt. We're going to come right back after this one-minute timeout. The luck of the Irish. Okay, we are back on Talk Back. Uh, former Governor Mark Roscoe here in the studio this morning. Let's get as many calls in as we can. Harry, thank you for holding, sir. You're on Talk Back. Please go ahead. Yeah, good, good morning, Governor. Uh, real quick side, uh, I knew your brother. He was my coach in football and my uh, government teacher in high school. But uh, they, uh, I, when you were governor, I probably disagreed with most what you your policies and a lot of what you did. But I always appreciated your levelness and your uh, level-headedness and your uh, the way you ran everything. You were very, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, uh, but anyway, that you were, uh, did everything thoughtful. Like, just like you were answering the question now, you've done it courteously, courteous, courteously and thoughtfulness. And uh, I appreciate that you're trying to bring that, some of that back into the, uh, politics now, although with the way the, government, uh, the politics are running now, I think you have a tough road to hoe. But I really hope you uh, all the best, and I hope you do bring back some of that uh, Curtis. I'm Harry. I'm sorry, I'm Harry. Like, you you have said it very eloquently. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate it. All right. So yeah. there there you go. Yeah. It's a, it's um your preface, um Harry is is moving, and um, it makes me realize why I love um, our state that we share. I love the people who are here who are thoughtful and honest and look you in the eye and tell you precisely what they think. And I genuinely appreciate the generosity of your question. And, and I think the discernment that you've revealed is um, something that 
happens with all of us if we're honest and careful. And I can understand why you, you would come to a conclusion that with a specific policy, I didn't get it right. I didn't get everything right every single day. But if you noticed um, the effort that I thought was important to keep people talking with one another and to be careful with each other and to learn from one another and to trust one another, in that, in that kind of an atmosphere, a free people can live in freedom and liberty. If they can't continue to do that, then we fall apart as a nation. You know, our constitution, our democracy is consensual. We can't be ordered to be a part of it. And it can fall apart just as quickly as it was formed up in the beginning. And that's what I've been worried about. I've been, I thought maybe I might be able to provide some utility, some um, interesting uh, insights after 35 or 40 years of doing this to the people I lived with that will help them make up their own minds. I don't want to make up their minds for them, but I would like to have uh, make certain they have enough information for them to make up their minds. So that's that's why I've done what I've done. Let's get another call in. Ed, Ed, good morning. You're on. Uh, Talk back with Mark Roscoe. Go ahead, sir. Yes, I want to get to something a little more specific. Uh, <clears throat> Monica Trinnell was on the show at least uh, three times, this show. And I asked three times if she supported uh, Biden's plan to forgive about a half a trillion dollars in student loans. She wouldn't answer the question uh, any of the three times and gave different reasons for not answering it. Uh, so do you support Biden's plan? The question isn't about whether it will pass uh Supreme Court muster, uh, but do you support the plan? No. Thanks a lot. No, I do not. Um, Thanks, Ed. You know, the, um, we have five kids. They all went to college. A lot of them went to graduate school. Um, we were state employees. That's what I was, was a state employee for a long time. Um, we made an adequate salary, um, but um, trying to put through five kids through school, even though they all worked incredibly hard, is very, very difficult. We borrowed a lot of money over the course of time. We paid every penny of it back. And um, I don't agree with um, Joe Biden's uh, decision to do that. I, I don't agree um, you know, with many things. I, you and I don't have enough time <laughs> to go through all of them uh, in reference to Joe Biden's um, approach to all of the policies that we're confronting and discussing now. But I, I believed at the time that on a judgment of character, that I could place more confidence in the reliability, the dependability, uh, the humanity of Joe Biden than I could um, in Donald Trump. Donald Trump, to me, was out for himself every day, every single day. And his simplistic solutions about building a wall uh, may have appealed to people from a simplistic point of view. But at the end of the day, it was never going to happen and it was never going to work. So he he set about, I think, to um, practice grievance politics, um, to appeal to the worst side of our nature, to our worst angels. And then he would cobble together just enough um, voters uh, from all of these disenchanted, disenfranchised and angry people that he had uh, inspired to uh, riot and, and be involved in all kinds of angry, bitter exchanges and put enough together to be able to get a plurality of the vote, not a majority of the vote, a plurality of the vote, and serve as president of the United States. I'm still mystified how we collectively made such a bad judgment on character. Let's uh, let's get at least one more call in. We have about three minutes left. Matt, thank you for holding, sir. You're on with Mark Roscoe. Go ahead. 
Hello, Mr. Roscoe. Uh, thank you for your time today. You've said some things that I agree with, but I think one of the things that you're being a little bit um, dishonest with in the altruism you're trying to exhibit to us all is the fact you just mentioned it, that Trump was always out for himself. Yet for the last almost 20 years, you've been the president of a major lobbying firm whose number one donor is the George Soros Fund. They've donated over $130 million, according to public records, to your association that you're the president of. So the, the, what, what, the what, what, what association is that? What association is that? Are, are you not the president of the, of the American Insurance Association? Uh, well, it doesn't exist any longer. I was, um, that is a, that's a trade group. Okay. That's a group of um, insurance yeah, companies. Let's not, yeah. let's not, let's not. Yeah, let, let, let's not, let's not do that let's because you want, right? I worked there three years. Let's not speak as honest individuals. <laughs> I, I worked Sorry. there three years um, and we advocated for Were legislation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, the, yeah. Okay, go ahead, Mark. Please. Well, we, we lobbied for legislation. Yes, it's, uh, it's a trade group, they call them, in Washington, D.C. There are conservative ones, there are liberal ones, there's business ones, there's nonprofit ones. I worked for one out of that vast majority for three uh, years, maybe three and a half years. But I haven't been associated with them since um, 2009. So I don't know which group you're talking about. We never received any funding from any outside sources it was a matter of paying dues by each individual company we only have a minute left so any 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 parting thoughts uh, we're definitely going to have you back so um parting thoughts from the what you've received today well i'm grateful um to talk to my fellow citizens to my neighbors of people i live with i'm grateful to learn from them and i'm more than anxious to be available if anybody thinks i'm relevant uh, to their thoughts ideas or discussions well, we, we appreciate you being with us today, and thank, thanks for uh, to you and your family. We appreciate all your service to our, to our state and to our country. Thank you, Peter. All right. Now, well, what's coming up on tomorrow's fabulous program there, Mr. Nick? Well, you mean Monday, of course. Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> what day is this? Yeah, anyway, uh, so Monday we'll be talking with uh, Ed from 830 to 9. He's a pollster, so we'll be talking to him, and then uh, Rob Nadelson will be on from 9 to 10. Excellent. All right, you, you remember Rob Nadelson. <laughs> Very, very well. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much for joining us, everybody. Get out there and enjoy the weekend. And uh, uh, we will see you bright and early Monday morning, 6 o'clock, for another exciting edition of Montana Morning.